There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Sandy Perez, the Vice President of Cancer Support Communities of Northern Arizona. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you so much, George and Centauri. Well, we are excited to talk to you. Sandy is also, she has her PhD in clinical psychology and... So, Sandy, you, you also know Centauri and have known him for, for a couple of years. So I was hoping that before we started talking about the cancer support community, you could maybe put on your clinical um, psychologist hat and maybe just do a quick assessment of Centauri. <laughs> I saw this coming. <laughs> well, Centauri, you can relax because I only do that for money. And this is a free volunteer opportunity uh, for me. I love this. <laughs> uh, you're safe. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That, that's an excellent answer right there. All right, so we'll start the bidding at $100. Just just kidding. Uh. All right, perfect. So, Sandy, um, obviously, you uh, with the PhD in clinical psychology, but if you would just take us through, take us through your, uh, your, your, your career path and, and how you found yourself where you are today. I would be happy to. Thanks so much, George. I was so lucky as a young person to kind of identify early that the helping professions were really just part of my personality and really, um, medical and health and well-being was one of my passions from a very, very young age. In fact, when I was a little girl, my dream was to be a nurse on the good ship Hope, and that would allow me to travel and see all kinds of other countries, but also help people. So while I didn't end up being a nurse and I didn't end up on the good ship Hope, (laughs) I uh, feel like I have definitely fulfilled my dreams of helping people in my career, although it certainly wasn't a linear career path by a long shot. And uh, I never would have imagined ending up in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, working for Cancer Support Community Arizona. But um, early on, my uh, undergraduate degree was in social work, which I loved because you get this real high-level public health systems perspective of everything that's going on in our country and how those how people who don't have the same advantages whether those be economic cultural social ethnic advantages um, as some people in our country that they have to navigate these big systems that we have in place um, with some amazing entitlement programs but they're very difficult to understand and connect together so social work really gave me that perspective. And my very first job was working as a Spanish English social worker in a barrio community in Atlanta, Georgia, with a lot of Cuban migrants, um, which was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And it kind of propelled me into looking at how would I learn to work with individuals and families 
more effectively. So I went on to get my master's and PhD in clinical psychology, which kind of blended my interest in health and the medical professions um, with really honing and learning skills to work with individuals and to understand their behavior, their cognitive patterns, um, the challenges, and to try to help them move forward. So after I graduated um, in Los Angeles at the California School of Professional Psychology, my husband and I were recruited by Indian Health Service, and we moved from L.A. to Pine Top, Arizona, and went to work for the White Mountain Apache Tribe. Wow. Yeah, that was um, quite a cultural shift for us from Beverly Hills to uh, White River. Um, But, you know, it was such an incredible experience um, as a young psychologist to walk into our community health clinic every day and learn from um, our tribal members in that community of about 15,000 people what the challenges were they that they faced and it helped me really continue to be a student um, to understand people and understand how their culture and their um, rites of passage and their rituals were really needed to be upheld in any kind of a mental health environment. So it was just a fabulous experience. And I worked uh, mostly in the schools on um, the White Mountain Apache Reservation. So I got to meet a lot of children of various ages and families and uh, continued to practice there for seven years. That's excellent. So that was... Yeah, that was my early career in Arizona, and then my husband's position with Indian Health Service uh, transferred him into the Valley of the Sun, Okay, and um, I spent the next 20 years in Phoenix and kind of re-careered a little bit out of clinical practice, did some um, graduate-level teaching but got an opportunity to work for the Arizona Community Foundation on a project as a consultant on infant brain development in schools, which was right up my alley. And while I didn't know anything about nonprofits or foundations, they assured me they would teach me that if I would take care of all the clinical and child development work. So we had a deal. And that started my... um, really my nonprofit career in philanthropy and in the Valley of the Sun. And I was with uh, ACF and then with the BHHS Legacy Foundation. And finally with the Delta Dental of Arizona Charitable Foundation, where I was the executive director for over a decade. Nice. Excellent. And then the move to Flagstaff and taking over or really starting um, the Northern Arizona efforts for cancer support community. Yeah, so we were so fortunate. My husband and I um, were able to make this um, permanent move to Flagstaff in May of this year, so just four months ago, and we are so excited to be part of this community 
Cancer Support Community Arizona has been uh, in Phoenix for 20 years, and we are an or- a nonprofit organization that's part of a large international group of cancer support community um, independent organizations. So we're affiliated under the same brand, but we're all locally governed and we raise our own money and put on our own programs so that we reflect the communities that we serve. And we're the in between the medical, so we're a non-medical organization, but where we fill in the gaps are all the emotional, social, psychological services that people who are impacted by cancer or people that are caring for someone with cancer really could use to um, address this this cancer journey that none of us none of us signed up for. Mm-hmm. Sandy, would you be able to uh, give us a little bit about kind of the, the scope of work and how that looks in practice? So when you say helping with the social and emotional, um, give us an example of what are those services that you provide? That's great. Thank you. There are kind of five different components or elements that we feel are really critical. Um, one of our signature components is providing support groups. So these are small, intimate groups led by a licensed mental health professional for people impacted by cancer, and that can be any cancer at any age or any stage. And so we feel it's really important for people with cancer to have a safe environment where they can talk about anything that's on their mind. And we also believe that caregivers, whether that's your spouse, your family, your friends, your children, also need a safe and supportive environment to talk about their concerns. So that's our very kind of most important pillar. Our second is education and knowing about the kind of cancer you have, knowing the resources that are out there, being able to connect with those resources, um, whether that be financial resources, whether that means clinical trial resources, whether that's doctors or any other kind of resource we think that's critical for people to know about. And we also offer uh, referral and medical appointment preparation. So you can talk with a trained individual to get ready for your oncology appointment so you feel at least somewhat in control of that conversation and prepared for it. So that's our third pillar. Our fourth is that we really know that having the healthiest body and mind that you can have is so important for our recovery and to maintain the best quality of life we can. So we really offer a lot of evidence and research-based healthy programs. And that ranges from things like meditation and teaching people how to meditate to various types of yoga that are very restorative and healing to art classes like working with um, clay, working with batik and fabric arts, as well as music. One of our most popular programs is drumming, which you don't need any talent really to do, (laughs) which is fabulous. You just need a lot of drums. And it's like the best feeling in the world to be able to express yourself. I'm sure it's very therapeutic too. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. It's so true. 
And of course, also making sure that we teach people about what are good foods, healthy, nutritious foods, um, so that you're able to take care of your body in the best way possible. So cooking and nutrition is another piece of that healthy lifestyle or healthy living component. And then finally, social events. So we know that when we're able to share and talk with each other, that it really is just such a positive experience. So we want to make sure that people facing cancer and their families have the opportunity to socialize with other families that are facing the same journey. Mm -hmm. So we really promote both formal and informal social events uh, to promote that. So I hope that wasn't too long of a- No, that was great. One of the five pillars. Sandy, we, so obviously, and unfortunately, uh, most folks will have to deal with cancer either themselves or a family member or a friend. So it's, they come to you in a very um, heightened and, and in a harrowing state. How do folks find you? Well, that's always been the biggest challenge. I think that um, we have some hospital partnerships that are really helpful because when a person is first diagnosed, um, or has their first treatment, uh, whether that be a surgery or chemotherapy treatment. Oftentimes, the nurses and the patient navigators at our hospital partners are the ones who refer the patients to us. We also um, try to promote our services because all of our services are at no charge. I failed to say that earlier, but all of our services are free. Um, people are welcome to make a donation, but it's never required, and we never want your financial status to be a barrier to being participating in our programs. So we try to get out to health fairs and events in the community and talk to people and pass out flyers and make sure they know our website where we have up-to-date calendars of all of the different events. And that includes Flagstaff. We're young but we're already building our programs up here in the Flagstaff area, and we're very excited about that. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Well, it certainly sounds like the work that you're doing, um, leading the charge of developing the organization's presence in northern Arizona where there wasn't a strong presence, is certainly something that you've done in the past, moving from Beverly Hills to um, to work with the White Mountain Apache Tribe and and all the work that you've done there, um, which I'm sure presents unique challenges of just trying to figure out what's going on up there and, and who all the key players are. Um, I'm sure that there's a million different things. Um, how, how has that process gone so far? I have been so just thrilled to be warmly welcomed into this community. I um, have met so many other nonprofit organizations, and we've already developed three really critical partnerships with nonprofits. Um, two of them are giving us donated space to hold our programs, oh, great. which is just fabulous. Yeah. And Native Americans for Community Action, their CEO, Jeff Axtell, uh, was an early, early um, supporter of ours and continues to be just fabulous. And North Country Community Health Center, which is our FQHC in this region, um, Marty Ness, their COO, uh, has been just amazing. And we are starting programs this month at North Country 
in their community room, and we'll be offering several different programs at North Country this month. Um, and also Coconino Community College has been one of our sites. So we're just so excited about these partnerships that allow us to reach different areas of the city and also um, are at different times, at different days, so that we can accommodate, hopefully, and attract anyone who's impacted by any cancer. Well, Cindy, it's always um, one of the things we always like to talk to with our guests is kind of how their backgrounds uh, now shape their current lives. And I'm very curious to know, how do you feel like your background in social work has helped in this job and that kind of helped navigate those communities? Because it's a very specific skill set that you got from getting that degree. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, I think I feel uh, Centauri like I've gone kind of full circle in my career to reach this place because I've been able to understand the various and complicated health systems that anybody facing cancer has to navigate. And it's, you're at a very vulnerable time when you're diagnosed and information can be extremely overwhelming. So for me to be able to help people identify where they are, help them gain a sense of control over their current situation and develop a plan those are skills that I was taught very early in my undergraduate education about how, how to help people stay focused and become more calm and gain some sense of control over really overwhelming and frightening situations. So those crisis intervention kinds of skills were really critical, um, and I, I use those all the time in, in my current work. I also think that having had cancer twice myself gives me a unique um, perspective on this disease, and I was so fortunate to have lots of skills as a psychologist that I knew helped my patients and could help me. So it's not hard for me to be a champion for the services of cancer support community because I know they work and I know they've worked for me personally. So I think that those are a few of the really critical pieces that my education has, has given me fundamentally to, to approach this job. Well, I appreciate that very much, and it certainly, it certainly, me knowing very little about it, certainly makes all the sense in the world that helping people deal with, with chaos and feeling so out of control and getting focused and calm, at least as calm as possible, and then connecting them up to a supportive community, um, that's got to be such a, a huge part of this, especially in a time when I think that as a culture we feel so disconnected and and people are feeling isolated and lonely, the thought of having to try to navigate this stuff without help, I think, would be next to impossible. So, It is. You're absolutely right, George. And I think that the three words in our name, cancer, support, and community, were all selected very deliberately. Um, and, and it is each of those words that's important. And here in Flagstaff, 
we know that there is a high level of different types of cancer, and some of those are quite unique to this region. We have areas of northern Arizona where people have been exposed to uranium mines who were exposed to radiation back in the nuclear testing in Nevada who are showing very high levels of cancer. (laughs) We also know that people who are firefighters and exposed to wildfires and other kinds of contaminants in the air are showing increased levels of cancer. So we have real unique situations here in this region that have caused cancer to be one of the top three reasons for death. So that's a critical situation. But we also know that we only have a few cancer centers and and hospitals in this relatively remote geography. So that means that people sometimes have to travel long distances, that they have to stay in Florida staff for treatment or they have to go to Phoenix to one of the cancer centers there and that puts additional burdens on the family and makes you feel even more isolated because you're away from home so you don't develop those kind of community resources right away so Flagstaff is a fabulous community but we want to bring cancer care into that community so that those psychosocial services that we offer here whether you go to Phoenix and come back because you live here or whether you come here to Flagstaff for your treatment and return to a smaller community, uh, we want to make sure that you've got all the resources that you could want. And that happens at different times in the cancer journey. Sometimes what you need is information and sometimes what you need is really a place to connect with other people that are survivors. Yeah, well, that, that certainly makes sense. And that's interesting to, to hear about the, the uranium and certainly certainly folks that are out there fighting fires. Um, I hadn't really considered. But it's obvious now, 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 now that you mention it, the, uh, the impact that that's having on people. So, all right. Um, well, you mentioned when Centauri asked, how, how are you getting the word out? What, what, are, what are some of the, the assets that, that your organization really needs? Is it always looking for, for more connections to other, other services or service providers in the community so that they're aware of you? I'm sure that, that there's always a fundraising need, but just talk to us about what, what it is that your organization needs more of. Well, I think you hit on it, George, when you mentioned those kinds of um, community leaders and partnerships. That is so critical to getting the word out. Um, We need to keep developing those. I've been really fortunate that I've been able to uh, participate with the leadership of our board of directors here in Flagstaff um, in interviews in the newspaper, um, on one of the local radio programs. Um, that's been fabulous and it's helped us to get the word out. And then, as I mentioned, um, attending health fairs and we recently created a partnership with NAU's uh, Senior Corps program and they provide people over the age of 55 as volunteers. So one of my uh, definite needs is more volunteers 
and champions to promote our mission and our services and to help us get out and meet new partners. So I would say that's our probably number one need. And you're right, fundraising's always up there, and we're hosting our first fundraiser next month, which we're very excited about. But um, that's always a need for most nonprofit organizations, certainly ones like ours that offer programming for free. Well, let's let's just check that one off the list then. What tell us about the fundraiser next month? What 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 the details are? Well, we're hosting um, our first trivia night event in Northern Arizona, and on Thursday, October tenth, starting at five thirty at the Museum of Northern Arizona. And we're really excited to uh, be bringing trivia about the region into our trivia night. And it's teams of four to six people competing uh, for the honor. And we'll also have some great raffle prizes and just generally a lot of friend raising um, at this fun event. It'll be a casual, fun evening and we're looking forward to hosting it. Now, now, Sandy, when you say fun, does that mean that you can't be overly competitive? I'm interested, but don't want to be too serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we welcome competitive spirits, but we also have a good time. So there's a fine line there, Centauri. <laughs> I'll try to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, it's tough sometimes. I've got some very competitive board members, so they're already brushing up. <laughs> nice. I love it. All right, so you also mentioned that, that one of the key things that you need are more volunteers and champions. So somebody who's been listening that says this organization is doing such important work, I am somebody who wants to volunteer. I am somebody who wants to be a champion for this cause. How do they do that? Well, there's a couple different ways, George. They can get onto our website, and our website is csCAZ.org, and that stands for Cancer Support Community Arizona, so csc.az.org. They can also email me directly, and my email is sperez, P-E-R-E-Z, at csCAZ.org. And we also have a Flagstaff phone number, and that number is area code 928-286-3745. And we are holding volunteer orientations at least monthly. We have over 20 trained volunteers already here in Flagstaff, and they're just amazing people. Some of them are cancer survivors themselves who want to give back to the community. Some are family members who have supported someone with cancer. And we're just so grateful to have such wonderful, kind people in our new community up here. I love it. That's fantastic. And it just popped into my head that certainly folks who are listening that are here in the Valley um, and have resources here. I'm sure that if, if they reach out to you, you'll be able to connect them with the right people in Phoenix. Absolutely. We have very robust programs. We've been expanding uh, in the Valley of the Sun into the West Valley area, um, into Surprise and into Avondale and Maryvale. And um, again, we have several hospital partnerships as well. 
So anyone who's listening today, if they're impacted by cancer or love someone who is, please reach out and check out cscaz.org. Wonderful. Centauri, what else? Answered all of my questions. I think, Sandy, just congratulations again on the role. You're so perfect for that. And I love the background that you bring to such a, a, a hard conversation. I'm excited to see how you expand in northern Arizona. Oh, thank you, Santari. It's um, just been so rewarding so far. And anytime you start up a new venture, there's a lot of unknowns. And we really weren't sure how the community would respond. But I've just been just so grateful. Um, And they've been so generous and welcoming. And the people we've met They're very community-minded, very volunteer-minded in in Flagstaff, and we've had many uh, people already donate their time, uh, their treasure, but even more their talent. So we have our first uh, third-party fundraiser starting tonight, and that is a yoga and Reiki class, and the proceeds are being donated to our Flagstaff operation up here. So we're really excited about that, too. Awesome. That's outstanding. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I would just say thank you, George and Centauri, for having me on today. And if anybody who's listening is is experiencing or facing cancer or someone in their family is to make sure that they reach out for some support. Um, to gather their courage, to be as fearless as they can be in the face of this really challenging disease. Um, Because there are people out there who do understand, and we want to be there for them. Well, Sandy, thank you so much again. And please do go to cscaz.org, and I will list all the other locations and ways to get in touch with Sandy and the cancer support community in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Sandy. Thank you, George. Thank you, Santari. And until next time, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.